You're listening to the Lessons in Real Estate Show, sponsored by Mission First Capital, bringing real estate investment deals for active duty and veteran investors. Your host, Anthony Pinto, searched land, air, and sea to find military investors just like you investing in multifamily and commercial real estate, both active duty and veterans. Hear their stories, learn their lessons, and be inspired by the obstacles they have overcome on their path to financial freedom. Whether you are overseas or stationed at home, if you want to get started as a military real estate investor, this is the show for you. And now your host, Anthony Pinto. I'm so excited to have you guys here today on the revamped new and improved version of the Lessons in Real Estate show. I wanted to refocus on my mission here in life uh, with this podcast, and that is to help teach and inspire 1 million military members and veterans to achieve financial freedom through real estate. And as a part of the March to a Million campaign, my call is to show you the path to freedom of time and money, whether you intend to stay in for 20 years or get out next year. And so listen to the stories of fellow military members and investors just like you struggling, overcoming, and achieving success in multifamily real estate, and even some of them doing it while active duty, and really dig into their lessons learned, as well as their failures on their path to success. Uh, But you came here for the show, so let's get to it. Hey learners, and welcome to another edition of the Lessons in Real Estate show. Super excited to have our guest on here today to you know, talk about his, his uh, background, military background, and graduating from the Naval Academy and getting into real estate and you know, kind of the challenges he's had along the way, but also a lot of the uh, successes. So our guest today is Challen. He is a 2019 graduate of the Naval Academy and is currently stationed down in Pensacola as a student Naval flight officer and will be joining the PA community here in March of 2021 when he gets winged. Uh, while in Pensacola, he jumped into uh, house hacking using his VA loan and also used his wife's VA loan on the property in Jacksonville as well. And he is now an aspiring syndicator in multifamily deals and hopes to get his first deal in 2021. So super excited to have you talk about your experience. Challen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, you know, when I talk with people who are just getting started in, in syndications and multifamily, um, in particular, and coming onto the podcast like this, a lot of them are very hesitant. And it's like, oh, I don't have anything done. Like, I don't have any deals in my belt. And they, you know, don't really think about the fact that, you know, being at your, you know, step three or step five in your 100 step process is just as valuable to someone at step one, you know, as someone at who is already at their step 100 and is super successful and has billions of dollars in real estate. And, you know, I think even more so as someone who you can kind of directly relate the same challenges that you're, you're facing with people. So, I'm excited to have you talk about your experience because, you know, although you're still an aspiring syndicator, I think you have a lot to, uh, to offer to the learners here today. Awesome. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's start off with your military background and how that led you into real estate in the first place. Okay. Yep. So I graduated from the Naval Academy in 2019 and actually my senior year, I took a class on financial analysis and one of my professors, we did a case study on a rental property. And so that was my first introduction to real estate investing. Uh, I was really hesitant before because it just seemed really time intensive and wasn't necessarily worth it. Uh, but kind of going through that, that case study kind of opened my eyes. I was like, okay, maybe there's some, maybe some uh, proof in the pudding here. And then I actually had my roommate, uh, senior year, his name's Taylor Heflin. 
I always like to give him a shout out because he lent me a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that was kind of the, the paradigm shift for me. So after reading that book, that was when I recognized, you know, hey, this is something I want to do. And then I got down to Pensacola with an aviation contract, had quite a few months to uh, sit around and wait while I was waiting to class up. And so I just started to pour myself into resources. Uh, so initially I started with Bigger Pockets. I was really uh, into their podcast. Uh, read several of the books. I read Brandon Tanner's book, the book on rental property investing. And that was really the one that solidified for me that, hey, this is something I can do. Uh, it was really kind of tactical knowledge. And then um, shortly thereafter, I was introduced to the active duty passive income community, read their book on house hacking. And then that for me kind of opened the opportunity. Well, hey, this is something I can do while I'm in the military. I can leverage my VA loan. And that was kind of exactly what I did. Awesome. You know, I think it's... Um... I think it's amazing that you were able to have that, that thought process and that mindset, you know, pretty much before you even graduated from the Academy. And, you know, I, uh, I think a lot of people, particularly me who like get there, you know, the career starter loans and, and get out and only think about, you know, how much money they're going to be making as an ensign and how they're you know going to have all this free time and go travel and drink all the time and party, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's great that you had a mindset that was, very different from all of that. Like you're trying to build a financial future for yourself, particularly while you're in, in the military. So kudos to you there. Um, so, you know, I really like that you guys had a, a financial analysis class. Cause I wish I would have taken that because I did not have any, any sort of financial, um, I guess, education outside of self-taught when I was in college. So, uh, and you were an economics major, right? That's correct. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. So did you, um, when you chose that as your major, did you have an intended career path like after the Navy or is there a reason why you chose that? So I, I was always interested in personal finance. Um, I, for, for a while, kind of had a desire to get an MBA and that's something I still may pursue. Um, but just, I guess, from experiences um, based on what my dad did for his career wise, kind of pursuing a, um, a job in uh, finance, I, that was something that I was, was interested in. So that's kind of what drove me in that direction. Awesome. No, I love that. I mean, I think it's, it's great. You had, I said you had that mindset and it sounds like you kind of had uh, some influences in your life that, that pushed you towards, towards that. And, and, uh, and especially into real estate. So you got down to Pensacola, started doing the house hacking thing. And uh, you know, I think it's a great strategy for guys to get started in the first place, but what were some of the challenges that you had, um, you know, getting into house hacking to start with? Um, you know, finding properties, using your VA loan, whatever, whatever that was for you. Right. So I think probably the most difficult thing for me was um, I'm always a big numbers guy. And so the numbers have to make sense. And so having gone through these different um, education courses, whether it be with active duty passive income or the reading books from bigger pockets and things of that regard, you know, a common rule of thumb you see is the 1% rule. And the one thing that I noticed as soon as I started looking for properties, that was nothing was fitting the 1% rule. And so that was kind of a big red flag for me because, well, hey, I, I know all the knowledge and I know what the numbers need to be for them to make sense because I'm looking to invest for cash flow. I'm not looking to invest for appreciation. That's an added bonus, but cash flow is what I'm looking for. And so if I couldn't find a property that was going to cash flow, then it was going to be, you know, that was going to be a stop to my journey right there. And so I kind of took a, uh, a step back. And I was like, how can I reevaluate this? And how are there ways that, you know, maybe I can increase my cash flow, possibly increase income or decrease expenses to make this work? And so the unique thing about Pensacola is that 
with it being a huge training command, you have flight school students coming in uh, every month. There's a kind of a, a pseudo student housing um, situation that arises with the military. And so I, I, you know, I thought about it and I was like, okay, what are, what are some issues that I've had since my time here in Pensacola? And so when I first got to Pensacola, I was renting an apartment with two other buddies. And what happened was one of our friends, he got orders to go to Corpus Christi, Texas. And so my other roommate and I were in a position where either we were going to have to break the lease with his orders, find a new place to live, or we're going to have to find someone to fill his room um, or just pay the difference. And so it, it just continually, there was issues like this where people were moving, coming and going, and there was no consistency when it came to paying rent and what you could expect for your housing cost. And so actually what happened when, when our roommate actually moved to Corpus, I took it as an opportunity. Well, I was like, Hey, this is an opportunity for me to go purchase a home and I can house hack and I'll rent to other flight school students. However, as opposed to making things a little bit difficult when people are coming and going, I'll make each room an individual lease. So that way they have the consistency of, you know, their rent maintaining constant for the duration of their stay. Don't have to worry about it increasing or decreasing based on the occupancy of the home. And with that, by treating each room as an individual lease and then furnishing all the common spaces, I could charge a premium because of the service that I was providing. I mean, I think that's awesome. It was awesome that you had the foresight to, to think about that and see the challenges uh, in Pensacola with uh, with people trying to rent. So you know, what did the numbers kind of break out for you there? Did it end up being a 1% rule at the end? It did. Yep. So so I was initially looking for a home kind of in the 150 to $200,000 range. And I knew that that was the range I was going to have to stay in if I wanted to achieve some sort of cash flow and then also have a comfortable style of living that would be um, synonymous with what a O one is, is looking for. And so with that being said, you know, there weren't $200,000 homes that were running for $2,000 a month. Uh, I was actually able to find a home in the sweet spot. It was $185,000. And then now with my combined rent, uh, we're looking at about 1850, uh, to 1900 bucks a month with the individual leases per room. So I'm right at that 1% rule. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, did you, uh, you know, so some people are obviously in your situation where you are single at that point and then got married and, uh, you know, don't have kids running around for, so it's a, it sounds like it's a convenient kind of a strategy for you to just rent out rooms and, and, you know, not have to worry about kids running around and stuff. So, um, you know, for individuals that have to think about, you know, having a family on board, do you, what do you think about house hacking for those guys that may have one or two kids and, and want to get in house hacking? Right. So, I mean, there's definitely alternative ways to do it. You don't necessarily have to go for the single family home. That's just what it worked for me in Pensacola as far as my training goes and being able to uh, room with other flight school students. However, you can always look for a residential multifamily property. So you can use your VA loan up to four units. That's a great way to get started because you're not necessarily sharing a, um, the internal spaces with someone. You may just have a shared wall. And I believe it was uh, Ramsey Blankenship. I heard a podcast he did with... I believe it was Brian Briscoe and he was speaking of um, he, he essentially did a house hack with his family. They had several kids and they were able to purchase a property. And then there was other properties within that, that same uh, plot of land. And so they had tenants that were living, you know, in a separate building. So they didn't have to share a wall, but they were still able to house hack. That's really smart. That's really smart. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the multifamily route, the smaller multifamily route is a great, great option. If you don't want to have to, 
share rooms or be in the same, you know, household with, uh, with other guys. So, um, so, okay. So you did your first property there in Pensacola. What led you to your second property in Jacksonville? Right. So my wife, she was in California going through civil engineer corps officer school, and then she got orders to go to Jacksonville and Jacksonville being kind of in close proximity to Pensacola. It was a similar market and very, very affordable, um, pretty low barrier to entry. And so I saw it as another opportunity. Um, one, we had another VA loan, but another opportunity to get into a cash flowing property. And so once she got orders, moved to Jacksonville, I was like, Hey honey, I'm uh, I know you may want to live in an apartment or something, but I think this may be a good opportunity for us to, you know, purchase another property, another asset, begin stacking the asset column. And so we were able to find another affordable home there and which will basically, it will be a long-term uh, kind of buy and hold for us, possible sell, but we're kind of flipping it while we're living there. So it gives us the opportunity to do some renovations, DIY, uh, and it's becoming a, um, a, a project for the two of us. It's both fun, but we're also able to force appreciation into the home and we didn't spend a pretty penny uh, to do so either. That's awesome. So did you guys use a VA uh, renovation loan or did you just use, you buy it using the VA loan and then use your own money for renovations? We just bought it using the uh, traditional VA loan and we've been financing the, um, the renovations ourselves. Awesome. That's awesome. So then it's, uh, do you have people living there while you're flipping it or are you just kind of renovating rooms and getting people in there as you go along? So the, the home in Jacksonville, we'll, we'll just be residing in ourselves. And then once we PCS away from Jacksonville, then we'll put renters in place. Uh, so just our, our first home, uh, my wife definitely wanted to have just the two of us uh, there. But uh, once we move away, it'll become a long-term buy and hold rental. Gotcha. Understood. Okay. Understood. Um, so how did that lead you into wanting to get into larger multifamilies and, and syndications from house hacking? Yeah. So one of the things I discovered with house hacking was, um, particularly from a, a self-management aspect, it's, it's very time intensive. Uh, while I have been able to develop systems and make things easier in that regard, um, there's definitely a lot of work that goes into it. And um, it's not necessarily the most efficient system. So, you know, one, one of the things I noticed was, you know, with residential properties, hey, I may be able to make some cash flow, but you can always increase cash flow when you have an increased number of units. And so that was one of the things that I did with the single family home was to treat it as a triplex. So rather than it being a single family home, it now became a triplex, three units, and I was able to increase the cash flow with that. Um, and so, you know, the other thing that I, I struggled to kind of wrap my head around with residential was the way in which the properties are valued, you know, strongly based upon the sales comparisons. And, you know, the real estate market is kind of always fluctuating. Um, the, the thing I found really attractive about the commercial multifamily side specifically was the way in which the properties were valued um, based off the net operating income. And so kind of having this opportunity to really um, basically increase the value of the property quickly by either um, increasing income or reducing expenses, uh, that was something that I found uh, really valuable. And then the economies of scale as well, you know, as you increase units, things become more profitable as you can implement more systems and become more efficient on the management side as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the, uh, the, the, the uh, increased control you have over properties that are income producing and evaluated based on income is, um, my opinion, far superior to the ones you're going to find in residential real estate for that very reason, right? I mean, there's, so, there's, a direct, um, there's a direct link between the amount of sweat equity or amount of money I can put into a property and how much money I can get back out of it, right, in terms of value. 
um, more so than you're going to find, you know, with, with residential properties. And it's a really good reason to, to get into it. So um, what are some of the, um, I guess, challenges or pitfalls you, you found getting into these larger multifamily apartment buildings? Yeah, no. So I think, I mean, there definitely is a bigger hurdle of education. And so, you know, but not letting that hold you back from taking action. So I'm one of those people who I like to kind of understand something before I get really involved into it. But if you, you know, never take action, then you're going to forever remain like a theoretical investor. And so just being able to kind of leverage other people that you meet along the way, their experiences, being being willing to share your experience and add that value to others in that regard is really going to help you, uh, I think, propel your journey. So that was kind of a big one. And then, um, the other one is kind of the imposter syndrome and that's kind of touches on the similar aspect, but something I've struggled with myself is that um, I don't want to call myself necessarily a multifamily investor when I haven't closed any deals. But if I don't believe in myself that I am a multifamily investor, then I never actually will close any deals. So kind of believe in yourself and kind of um, continue on that journey will, will definitely be uh, a huge help. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's interesting that you bring that up because I found that um, you know imposter syndrome is is it's a real thing, and I think a lot of people really feel that. But like you said, it's kind of a, a kind of a paradox. Like you get the you get wrapped up in this imposter syndrome, and you know you think you can't talk to people or raise capital or look at deals because you're not already a syndicator or a multifamily investor. But then you can't go be a multifamily investor and syndicator unless you have the mindset and kind of believe in yourself and go look at properties. So kind of a fine line there. So how do you get past that, um, that kind of mental block and, and get over the, you know, the, um, the kind of scarcity mindset that comes with being an imposter or having imposter syndrome? Right. So I think one thing is just to surround yourself with other individuals who are doing similar things uh, and have similar goals and aspirations of, of you. So I have several classmates uh, from the Naval Academy who are you know, already closing deals themselves. And so that's just kind of motivation for me that, Hey, if they can do it, I can do it. Uh, and that's definitely one thing that's been really helpful for me. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's uh, an incredible uh, successful strategy to have is to surround yourself with guys who, you know, like I said, are, are, you know, maybe one step ahead of you or two steps ahead of you and have a proven kind of uh, track that they're going on. Um, and, you know, I, it is, so true the people that you hang out with and like the five closest people you hang out with ultimately shape your, your mindset and your life. And, uh, you know, if you want to be a millionaire one day, surrounding yourself with millionaires is probably a good way to go about it. Hey learners. I want to take a quick second to tell you a little bit about what we've been working on here. Are you a military member, veteran, or family member? Are you stuck in how to get started in real estate investing? Well, maybe you're worried about your lack of time, money, or experience. Well, if you're listening to this show, you probably meet one of those wickets. And I was in the same boat until I partnered up with other experienced veterans to start taking down large multifamily properties. But over this past year and the various syndications we've done, we found that the opportunities for the typical military investor to find stellar real estate opportunities to passively invest in are about as small as the chances of not being on duty on the weekend. So super excited to announce Mission First Capital, the first real estate investment fund specifically created for you, the military investor and your family. Anyone can invest and at a low minimum, it is affordable too. Deployments and workups are hard enough. Investing for your future doesn't have to be. Check out more at missionfirstcapital.co. Now let's get back to the show. Um, 
So, you know, how did you find these, these individuals that were taking down deals and that were, you know, successful in real estate? Cause it's, you know, it's, it's not often that uh, something that people broadcast on like social media. Right. Yeah. So I think one thing is just talking about what you want to do. Uh, so for the longest time, we, we touched on it earlier with the imposter syndrome. I never wanted to tell people, hey, I'm a real estate investor. I'm looking to take down apartment complexes and things like that. But the more you talk about it, the more other people will be like, oh, like that's interesting. My, uh, my uncle does that or my brother does that or I have a friend or I do that. Um, and so the more that I've found that I've talked about what I want to do or what it is that I do, I've been able to form those relationships and kind of build a network um, in that regard. So that's been especially helpful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, as a you know, a budding syndicator, if you want to call yourself that, what uh, what particular markets are you looking in, and why? Uh, so right now, I'm looking to focus in Jacksonville, Florida. So I'll be heading there shortly in the next few months to start the FRS. And for me, one, I wanted to invest somewhere where I'm living, uh, just because I want to be boots on ground. So I wanted to kind of really dive into the due diligence process when I began looking at properties be able to evaluate them in person. Um, and so that was one thing that was, was really important to me. And Jacksonville just happens to be a great market uh, when it comes to the uh, statistics as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had, uh, I've had other guys that I know have, have similar thoughts on, on Jacksonville and <clears throat> guys who have even bought, who live in Kings Bay, Georgia, you know, on submarine Bay, or I guess work at the Kings Bay, Georgia on submarine base. They were buying Jacksonville because it's such a great, a great market to be in. Um, so when you're going in and actually looking at these properties, I mean, you're still in Pensacola right now, right? Yes. So are you doing a lot of this searching um, either through your wife or, or virtually or remotely? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's uh, sometimes maybe a hard ask to get the wife to go look at an apartment complex, maybe, you know, an hour away from, from the house where she's living. Um, but right now just kind of trying to leverage a team that I have in place there. And then, when I do have opportunities to make my way over to Jacksonville to be able to, you know, drive for dollars and, and look for properties in that regard as well. Mm-hmm. So how did you build out your team in, uh, in Jacksonville? Yeah. So I think one thing that's really important is just kind of communicating with others where you're looking to invest. Um, and then whether that be on LinkedIn, that can be on other social media platforms, whether it be on Facebook, things in that regard, just be able to communicate what you're looking to do, what your criteria is, where you're looking to do that. Um, that will really help you. And then, um, I actually, when we bought the, the single family property over here that my wife's living in in Jacksonville, um, that was a way in which I, you know, kind of had exposure to the market. And we actually purchased that home without ever setting foot in Jacksonville. Um, and so it, it is possible to, to buy properties without being there. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, the more exposure you have to the market, the uh, it definitely the easier it is to kind of build those connections, begin forming, forming a team. Gotcha. So who, do, who is on your team, or I guess, uh, generally, who, what team members do you have on your team and have built out there in Jacksonville? Yeah, so right now, um, so I definitely have my, um, sorry, I'm drawing a blank on the word. Um, my realtor, who we, we closed the single family home um, with. And so she's been really helpful because she's been able to kind of give me connections with regards to um, commercial brokers that she may work with. Uh, in the area or other connections when it comes to uh, lenders as well. And so I think kind of the big one is kind of having those brokers or having realtors who are familiar with the the, uh, the market as well, kind of be able to provide that insight has been helpful. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, you know, realtors, I think, are great for, for the residential real estate side of things. But, uh, you know, who have you networked with or built out for your team in terms of multifamily and commercial real estate there? Uh, so to be honest with you, I definitely am pretty, pretty new to kind of building my team specifically in Jacksonville. Uh, but just kind of to work out with, uh, with other individuals who are investing in that market as well, um, being able to communicate with them. And then I'm also looking to join the RIA uh, in Jacksonville once I finally make my way there. Awesome. So, you know, knowing that you're, you're networking with other people, what, what specific team members um, are you looking to bring on within that area and or at least have connections with? Uh, so I think especially I want to develop a really good relationship with some brokers in the area. Uh, because I think that'll be a good source of deals. And the other being um, other, other syndicators, because it's very possible with me, you know, having not closed my first deal, that the first deal will be um, working, partnering with another sponsor that's already investing in the area. Uh, and so I think those two will be especially key to, to closing my first deal. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, a lot of aspiring syndicators um, kind of go back and forth on almost a chicken and the egg type of paradox where, is it better to have a deal or the money first? And, you know, cause you got to have the deal to have to get raised capital, but you got to have capital to get the deal. So in your opinion, you know, it, what have you really been focusing on lately? Is it more of, of finding deals or more finding capital? So I think one thing is really important. Um, you know, you always should be raising capital because without capital, you won't be able to close the deal. So if you have a perfect deal, uh, you know, a lot of people will say that oh, the capital will follow, but, that's, that could be a time crunch and you don't know what you're going to be doing uh, with regards to, you know, training, whether it be you're going on deployment or things of that nature. So it's definitely important to be raising capital um, all the time. Um, but I think it's also important to kind of get back to the fundamentals and make sure you really understand your education, because that's going to be a drive your ability and your success to be able to raise that capital. So if you don't understand the numbers, you don't understand the market and what it is you're looking for, uh, you won't be able to communicate that with investors and be able to raise that capital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing to, um, to start raising the capital for your first deal then? What's, what are some strategies you're taking? Uh, so one thing is communicating with friends and family what it is I'm interested in doing. And then also with my, my uh, friends and network I have from the Naval Academy. And so it's kind of a unique thing that I am doing, you know, looking to purchase apartment complexes. Um, you know, not a lot of my classmates know what that is or what it is about. And so just being able to communicate that with them is um, kind of piques some interest and then gets people starting to think, well, hey, this is, you know, maybe something I would be interested in or an alternative way for me to invest. Because um, I think especially now with kind of the influx of capital that's coming into the economy, a lot of people are kind of nervous with what the uh, performance of the stock market may be over the long term as well. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So are you, are you reaching out individually to uh, these individuals? Or are you doing webinars? How does that typically go for you? Uh, so right now it's just kind of been individually. Um, just trying to communicate with a lot of my friends. I know a lot of people are kind of, uh, you know, what are you doing on LinkedIn? Um, so I'm recently have been trying to build my network on LinkedIn, be active and kind of communicating what it is that I'm trying to do. And people will kind of ask me, well, Hey, what, what is this about? Like, are you buying apartment complexes? How are you doing that? And so just being able to have a conversation one-on-one on the phone will go a long way and kind of, you know, maybe changing their mindset or what their beliefs are as far as the ability for them to be able to invest in apartment complexes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So um, what's been the, uh, the most um, frustrating thing when you're getting started here with trying to raise capital? Uh, I think the most frustrating thing is just kind of getting people to, to be all in. 
Um, especially now because the market has been uh, so competitive, you know, people are, well, Hey, my S and P 500 has been delivering this over the past, you know, few years. And especially with me being from a, you know, a younger generation, a lot of people haven't, you know, experienced a lot of these financial busts and booms, um, that some older investors may have experienced. And so people are kind of, you know, Hey, the, the stock market has been great over the past five years. Uh, and so be able to kind of get through that hurdle. And especially because a lot of people, really like the ability to be able to, I guess, invest passively. And, you know, where I may be able to offer that opportunity in an apartment complex, well, I can just sit on my computer and, you know, do that myself. And that way I'm involved. Uh, so kind of being able to build that trust component, I think is really important and communicate that, hey, this is an asset class that is recession resilient as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure you have a lot of guys who are uh, taking GameStop to the moon or or were. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to me, as I've kind of seen over the past a couple of years, uh, the cycles we've kind of gone through, how people, how responsive people are, depending on what's going on with the stock market, right, with, you know, yeah, they're making killer returns, you know, throughout COVID times last year, and then, you know, yeah, I throw all my money into Tesla, because that's a surefire way to, to secure my future, Um and then you got guys who, you know, just everything tanks and like it did at the end, I think of uh, like 2019. And uh, then you guys get, you got get guys going into real estate again and wanting to find other ways to, to throw their money in. So yeah, it's, it's definitely very cyclical, but uh, I think what you're doing with your, your perseverance and your hard work with continuously trying to, um, you know, not only educate people, but just in, inform them really about the, what their other options are and, and talking to them about the opportunities that, uh, you know, are available in, in commercial real estate rather than just trying to raise money. Cause I think that's, it's a very, um, distinct mindset shift and paradigm to, to be raising money versus providing opportunities for investors. No, I, I definitely agree. Definitely yeah. agree. Yeah. Um, all right. So raising capital, finding deals, uh, building out your team. So, um, where, what, you know, what are your, what are your plans? What type of properties are you looking for? Um, here in the next year? Like what's your, what's your goal for this year? Uh, so primarily looking for those B and C class properties, some sort of value add component and looking kind of under that hundred unit range, you know, there's a little bit less competition, especially for some smaller syndicators like myself. Um, and that's kind of what we're looking for. So for the, de- the goal for this year is to, to close my first deal. Awesome. Man. That's exciting. That's exciting. And I'm sure you'll do it. Cause I, I've seen you around the, uh, you know, Facebook and, and the other multifamily groups we're a part of and connecting with people. And it sounds like your name gets brought up quite a bit. So I, it sounds like you're, uh, you're going to crush it this year and wish you the best of luck there. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. All right. So we're getting towards the uh, end of the episode here. I want to jump into the uh, snapshot round if you're ready for it. I'm ready. All ahead, plank, cavitate, snapshot, tube, tube. All right, here we go. Challenge. First question. What is your number one failure in real estate? Yeah. So I think when it came to my house hack, which was my first deal, you know, I was really pouring myself into education with regards to closing my first deal, but I didn't really think too much after that. So as far as it goes, managing the property. And so there were some things I kind of had to backtrack, you know, several months after owning the property with regards to managing it. So being able to kind of you know, establish the standards from the beginning, you know, how you're going to manage the property. I think the same thing kind of goes to uh, multifamily properties as well is having a strong business plan, you know, ready 
and that you know how to implement it so that you don't you know, waste any time or have to go backwards after closing the deal. I think that is very poignant that you have that, uh, you kind of have that experience because I think that a lot of these multifamily courses that, that uh, guys put out, you know, the Rod Cleese and the Michael Blancs, it is very much about closing your first deal and kind of romanticizing, like you get that first deal done, you know, the first hour, everything else is going to kind of fall into place and everything's going to be beautiful. Uh, but they don't really tell you about all the challenges that comes from ap- actually, you know, taking over the property and managing it. Um, and it's even more so with, you know, large multifamily trying to enact a business plan and bring in new property management and all the headaches and everything that's involved with the, you know, your first few months of taking over multifamilies. It's, it's like you said, it's not, um, it's not something that a lot of people prepare for because it's all about closing, finding and closing a deal, it seems like. So I think that's a really good, really good lesson there. Um, as an active duty investor, what advice do you have for other military investors to be successful? And so I think I touched on this earlier, but the, the really big one is just to take action. So if you just educate yourself and never take action, then you're just a, a theoretical investor. Uh, so, you know, willing, being willing to take action, uh, but then, you know, be able to back that up with education as well, but making sure that you are taking those steps to move forward, because if not, you're just going backwards or just staying in the same place. Love it. I love it. You got to change to, to make change. Love it. All right. Uh, what inspired you to serve your country? Yeah. So I think, you know, growing up, whether it be high school, middle school, I was really involved in team sports and I really loved the team sport aspect, you know, working together for a common goal. And that's kind of what led me to the military because I think it's the ultimate team being part of the U S military. And so, you know, it was just, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. And, you know, I found it as a way to give back, um, you know, to the community and, you know, the ones that I love. So that's ultimately what drove me to serve. Love it, man. Love it. All right. And then last question for you, Challen, what is your dream? Yeah. So, you know, right now, as are many of us, I'm looking to achieve financial freedom. And um, with that, that's so that I can fully devote my time to my family, you know, my faith, my community. I just want to be able to give back. And so, you know, the more that time that I have, you know, and doing achieving that through financial freedom, the more ability or the more time that I'll have be able to devote to others and give back. Love it. Awesome. I mean, that's, I think it's a great dream what you have there and, uh, you know, finding financial freedom, helping others to do that. I think it's a very worthy cause there. So Sean, I've had, uh, you know, amazing time hearing about your story and, and sharing a lot of the, you know, lessons learned that you're having, uh, on this beginning path towards syndications is I think it's, um, it's like I said, it's this process is very romanticized and kind of the end goal is what a lot of people focus on. And they don't really hear about these, uh, you know, the missteps and what the challenges it takes to get, you know, your team built and, and break into a new market and analyze deals and underwrite and, um, you know, finding property management companies and, and getting into the asset management side of things. So I think it's, it's really telling that you're able to, to talk about that. So, you know, if there's, uh, there's a lot of people on the show who listen to this, who are just getting started and, and, you know, kind of want to reach out to guys like you. So if there's anyone listening here who wants to learn more about you, where can they go? Uh, so they can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Challen Fairley. And you can also reach me via email. That's be Challen at FairleyCapitalInvestments.com. And then you can also just shoot me a call or text at 804-205-8076. Perfect. Awesome. I hope a lot of people take you up on that because I think you got, I think you have a lot of a wealth of information to be able to share with uh, with guys just getting started. So with that, Challen, I hope you have an amazing Valentine's Day and uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it with the wife back in the States and please stay safe. Thank you. You as well. Thanks. Thanks for listening. 
If you are a military investor and found this episode of the Lessons in Real Estate show packed with great information, tell your friends and leave a five-star rating on your listening platform. Every comment is read and appreciated. Don't forget to check out our weekly episodes of PCI Teaches, brought to you by Pinto Capital Investments. Learn about basic and advanced topics in real estate investing. Catch updates on Anthony's journey through learn and teach segments. And listen to the tales of other military investors and real estate professionals every week. We'll catch you next time on the Lessons in Real Estate show.